0: Caller number 10 at 800-636-1067. You're winning tickets to see our 1067 The Fan Team 980 live event on stage February 2nd. All your favorite shows together for one night off-air, on stage, and uncensored. Tickets are on sale now. For tickets and more event information, go to thefandc.com slash events. Presented by Main Street Bank to your local bank local. Let's go to the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Visit BetQL.com. Our buddy David Aldrich of The Athletic, the Hall of Fame NBA insider and analyst. When we talk hoops, we want to talk to D.A. David, today the Wiz made a decision to move on from Wes Unseld Jr. as their head coach. They are keeping him in the building. They're going to move him to the front office for some unnamed role at this point. But they're 7-36, are we surprised? What do we think about going from Unseld to Brian Keefe in season?
1: Uh, surprised. I, I can't say surprised. Um, the timing's a little weird just because you could have done this in two weeks at All-Star and maybe had a little bit more runway to bring a interim coach on to have a few practices before the start of the second half. But like you mentioned, they're 7-36, so does it really doesn 't really matter, um, you know they they thought they would be a little better, and that 's what this is about. Um, the development part of it has been decent. Um, some of their guys have gotten better uh, if you've watched this team with any regularity this year, you would see Odias playing much better than he 's played in years past and Gafford's been very solid when he's been able to play and Kispert's much more efficient this year and drawing more fouls and Koulibaly's been a very solid rookie consistently in the top 10, but they're seven and 36. You know what I mean? Like all of that, that none of that matters if you're seven and 36 or it matters a lot less. And there just doesn't seem to have been from a team standpoint, the type of cohesion that you'd like to see. Um, to go forward, and I think that 's really what this was about. I mean you could make if you were making this decision at the end of a, of a long season, no one would be surprised right? The only surprise is that it happened in the middle of the season and at a strange part of the middle of the season, as opposed to like the all star break, which would sort of make more sense. but the actual the actual decision doesn 't really surprise me much at all, so you, you kind
2: of touched on this, david, but it, the the metrics here are are kind of tough for me to get to wrap my head around and here's what I mean let's say they were six games better you know they'd won some more games it'd still be in second to last place in the conference right I mean we knew they weren't going to be particularly good do you really think it's a wins and losses thing or is it a developmental thing or is it the fact that they're the worst defensive team in the league or that they get out rebounded by double digits every night or is the answer yes to everything
1: no it's not the wins and losses I don't think they really care about the wins and losses it's how are they playing night in and night out? And what are they doing in certain situations? Nobody expects them to beat the Celtics, you know, (laughs) Nobody, nobody expects them that, but you should beat Detroit and San Antonio at home, you know, and the way they lost to San Antonio was especially egregious, blowing a 12 point lead with six minutes to go against a really bad team. Um, you know, losing to Detroit without Kate Cunningham and letting Alec Burke score 34 points on you. I mean, there's just things, all these things that kind of pop up game in and game out where you go, wait a minute, they're, yeah, they're bad, but that shouldn't happen. You know, like, yeah, they're not supposed to be good this year, but that shouldn't happen, you know, and they shouldn't be, they shouldn't give up 130 points 12 times in the first 35 games. That shouldn't happen as much as no one expects them to win. But there just was not, there just wasn't a sign that, okay, if we keep doing this for the next 10 or 15 games, things are going to get noticeably better in this category, whatever that category is. Competitiveness, defense, rebounding, all of those things. nobody but they can score. We all know they can score. They score a lot of points. And they're 7 and 36. So the scoring piece is not the problem. And that seems to be what too many of their players lean into, which is, well, we score, so therefore – we should be winning games. Well, no, you have to win games by stopping the other team. That's that's the truth in CYO, high school, college pro. You got to stop the other team at some point during a basketball game to win.
0: They clearly think Brian Keefe's better at coaching a basketball team or this basketball team uh, than Unseld was. They wouldn't have made the move otherwise, right? I'm I'm not even traditionally a, a big in-season change guy for a team like this, but they like Keefe. Uh, why do you think?
1: I don't think they think he's going to be better. I just think they wanted to make a change. I mean, this is not – I don't think what happened here is unique to the Washington Wizards. They were not going anywhere, and it's easier to fire one coach than 15 players. I mean, it's pretty simple stuff. So I don't think they said, wow, we've got this diamond in the rough and Brian Keith give him an opportunity. I sure, don't, but you, don't you think no, if no, it was going to be the same,
0: no. then you, you might as well just be the same and not no, fire well, the guy?
1: sometimes – well, sometimes you need a new voice, Grant. You know that. Like, you just need somebody else saying something else. Um, it, it's not, again, it's not, in, it's not unique to the Wizards or the NBA or, or basketball. Sometimes you need, I mean, the the commanders fired Jack Del Rio. They didn't think they were going to be better, <laughs> I don't think. Like, they just needed to stop doing, they could not keep doing what they were doing and getting the same results with the same guy emphasizing the same things that were not working. Right. So, you know, you, you, sometimes you do that in season, it's better to do it in the off season, but I I don't think that again, I don't. And again, this is not disparaging Brian Keefe or David Vanderpool or Mike Miller or any of their assistant coaches. I don't think that they did this because they thought if they listen to this particular voice, we will be better. They just need a different voice. (laughs) You need a different person to try and get more out of this team. And it's, you know, will they be better? I guess we'll see. We'll find out. Um, But I don't anticipate some incredible surge um, going forward with this particular group of players. I just think this group of players is kind of fatally flawed, and they have to get different players in here if they want different results going forward.
2: David Aldridge with us here on GND. David, you said a couple of times they thought they'd be better. I did too, by the way, for the record. I I was really wrong about Jordan Poole. I, I, you know, I've got a lot of words I could use, but I'll say it hasn't gone like I thought it would uh, for him and how inefficient he's been and how poorly he shot. And, you know, some of the unserious times that we've already kind of seen, I think that's kind of the the big anchor here. That's slowing everything down, but how much better do you think they thought they would be than this?
1: I just think they thought they would be more competitive. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's uh, that's the, to me, the word is competitive. And, you know, you can lose games and be competitive. You know, we see it. All, look at the Miami Heat. They lose games all the time. They've lost four straight. But you never look at a Miami T- Heat team and go, boy, they didn't try tonight. Boy, they didn't bring it tonight. They didn't win, but you never say they didn't compete. They always compete. And that, to me, is what is not happening here or had certainly didn't happen enough where this team just competed to the best of its ability. And if they just could not stop Shea Gilgis Alexander that night, or they just couldn't stop Jason Tatum, he's just too good. Okay. You can live with it. You don't like it, but you can live with it. But there were just too many games where the compete part wasn't there. or certainly wasn't there consistently enough to be satisfactory. You know, you can lose with some dignity. You can lose with a purpose in mind a bigger purpose and my bigger picture in mind, but you should still have be able to compete on a nightly basis uh, in in the NBA, the NFL, whatever sport it is. And when that stops happening, you got to make a change.
0: David Aldridge, senior columnist with the Athletic, and obviously when it comes to hoops, one of the greats who's done it breaking this game down over the last several decades. Uh, David, I'm curious about the trade deadline. Like, what should my expectations be? What do you think if if Winger and Dawkins and the crew have their way? What does that look like coming up?
1: I'd be surprised if they made, you know, if it was a total house cleaning and they traded half the team. I don't think they are going to do that. You know, obviously Kuzma has the most trade value right now. There's teams that are interested in him, and it's just a matter of did they get the – Do they get to yes on what what they're asking for? Now, you know, some people are saying it's two first-round picks. It could be a first-in-the-player. I I don't know that there's anything set in stone. I think that they, like every team, when you're negotiating with specific team X, you want specific things from specific team X to make it worth your while. That would be different from Sacramento, say, to the Lakers, to Dallas, or whomever else might be interested in Kyle Kuzma, right? You know, so all of them have – different things that you may want from them. So it's, I don't think there's like a hard and fast. They must get two first round picks to trade Kyle Kuzma. I think they want to get a package, whether it's picks, players, young players, some combination. Um, And that's the one that we'll just have to see. That's the one that, you know, gets down to negotiating right before the deadline and you either pull the trigger or you don't. Um, After that, I, I mean, Delon Wright, I, I would be surprised if Delon was on the team after after the trade deadline, just because he fulfills a need that a lot of good teams need really badly—a third guard that really defends well and can make enough shots to stay on the floor. Uh, that certainly would make sense to me. I'd be surprised if they traded any of those guys I mentioned before. Um, they're not trading Koulibaly. He's, he's part of the, you know, he's the linchpin to the, he's the start of the linchpin to the future. I'd be surprised if they traded Kispert or Abdiya, but I'm too old to be shocked by anything, but I would be surprised if they traded either of those guys. But, so I think they'll make a couple of moves along the margins. And if they get the number the package they want for Kuzma, I could see them moving him too.
2: David, hey, This is my own curiosity on this. I want to pick your brain as someone that really knows the game. Why do you think they basically decided to Grinnell College this thing with with their pace, just running up and down, and not really playing D and getting out rebounded by ten a night instead of maybe committing to it, not giving up thirteen offensive boards uh, per game instead of just re, you know getting out for fast breaks that may or may not be there? I, I, yeah. That's not winning basketball. So what are you really building with maybe some of the younger guys? Your thoughts?
1: It's a fair, it's a fair question, Danny. Um, you know, I, I know that you kind of lean into your strengths when you're a team. You look and say, well, what what can we do well at, at a, a level that could help us win games? And if you look at that group, you would say, yeah, we can we can score a lot. So let's try to score. Mm. But again. Yeah, you can never score enough points in this league to beat anybody if you don't get stops. You have to get some stops And. They just don't. They don't stop anybody from doing anything that they want to do, and you just can't win too many. You're just not going to win a lot of games that way. You know, I saw this to its taken to its absurd conclusion with the Nuggets under uh, Paul Westhead back in the early 90s, and it was, a, it was a joke. It was a train wreck. It was awful, you know, and you just can't win that way. You can't score enough in this league, especially with the three-pointer now. You just can't score enough because everybody's got three or four guys that can make a bunch of threes. So if you're just giving the other team a whole bunch of open threes, you can't score enough points to win. So I think they looked at it and said, this is the one thing we're good at. Let's see if we can, maybe with some pace, if we if if the other team's taking the ball out of the basket every night, maybe we can speed them up a little bit and create some turnovers. And, you know, and they just, again, the roster construction just makes it impossible to do because they just don't have – other than DeLon Wright, they don't have a guard that really can get into anybody else and be disruptive and cause turnovers or at least make the guy pick the ball up and pass it to somebody else. And that's what 80% of NBA basketball is now is guard-oriented, guard, guard-centered you know, activity, off of the pick and roll, off an ISO, off, of, off a pin down, off of something. The guard starts the action. And if you can't keep the guard who's starting the action from doing whatever he wants to do, you're not going to stop anybody. And they don't have anybody other than Delon right that can do that on a regular basis or at least has done it on a regular basis so far this season. It's well
0: said. Yeah, I mean with this group I don't know that there is a formula or a plan or a, a design. I mean I mean no.
1: Leah, I I think you guys I mean I, I get the I get the questions and all that, but let's be realistic about this. This is a rebuild. This was the expectation going into the season was It's going to be the start of a multi-year rebuild. It's not going to get better. Josh Robinson and I wrote a series of detailed pieces last month explaining why it's going to be worse next year than it is this year. And it might be worse in 2026 than it is in 2025 because they understand they got to take this thing down. Everybody that called into your show and said they can't keep playing Bradley Beal and losing in the first round, you got what you wanted. This is it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> this is it. Enjoy it. I'm totally on board with
1: I'm totally on about board with it now. This but, is what you wanted. You got it. This I, I, is rebuilding. No issue rebuilding with Rebuilding is you get your doors blown off in this league. That's what happens when you rebuild. I, I would and, argue
0: that there there's a way to play a more entertaining 7-36 and 36 than they really? have, but... Yeah, I don't I'm not sure. I don't I know mean, anybody that's angry that they're 7 and 36 personally. No, I you think know. they're
1: I think they're a little disappointed. I'm not, I mean, I'm not particularly upset that they're 7 and 36. <laughs> right, <same. laughs> because I, you know, I've advocated I advocated for it 3 years ago same. when it became clear that John Wall was not going to be able to return to the level that he was going to play at to trade Bradley Beal immediately for as many first round picks as you could possibly get. And I said it, and I wrote it, and people killed me, and I said it, and I wrote it, and people killed me, and I was right. So yeah, you <laughs> were right. they should have done, they didn't do it, and now they had to take, make a re- really bad trade to get the contract that they should have never given Bradley Beal in the first place off of their books.
0: Yeah, they're not, they don't have anybody on this show that's bothered by that. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not talking to you guys, but, again, to so the people that call in or the people that write and, and complain that they don't want to watch mediocrity anymore, okay, they heard you. They're not, they're not going to be mediocre. They are really bad. This is correct. <laughs> yeah,
0: don't worry. You don't have to deal with mediocrity. We got it. That's funny. Right. Right.
2: David, thank you as always.
0: All right, guys. My pleasure. Always good. Love David. Check him out in the athletic. Uh, standings, by the way, in the east. Boston with the best record at thirty-four and ten. Scroll all the way down there to the bottom. Yeah, you
2: gotta use that mouse.
0: Pistons, who just beat the Wiz here recently. Five and thirty-nine. The Wizards seven and thirty-six. <sighs> Worst team in the West is the eight and thirty-six Spurs. I think that's what's most interesting to me, honestly. With Wemby and Greg Popovich as their head coach, they are Basically, the Wizards with one more game played and a win. I don't know how that's possible with that pick and that coach, but uh, it's going to take some time there, too.
2: Yeah, they're, they're, they're maybe, if it's even possible, worse built than Washington, but that's this is not a Spurs breakdown uh, segment, but Wimby's must-see television. They've lifted his minutes restriction. He's up to 30 minutes a night now. Yeah. He's up to 30. I would sign up for that. And if the Wizards would have done the right thing a year earlier than they did, Oh yeah, Wemby could be playing here. We even still remember they had, what was it, seven out of ten numbers. If it came up Wizards, they would have had a little Wemby situation. Instead, it's the ninth pick.
0: I do remember. A quick little update for you on the Commander's coaching search front. This from Ian Rappaport just a couple of minutes ago of NFL Network. A developing interview for Mm -hmm. early next week for the Commander's. Mm -hmm. Dan Quinn, back in the saddle, baby. The Commanders are expected to have their second in-person interview with Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn early next week, source said. He's currently meeting with the Seahawks for his second interview there. So this is not interview number two. This will be interview number three with Dan Quinn. Is that right? They did the video call with him for a few hours. They did the in-person interview with him, and now they're going to do an in-person interview with him early next week as well. Uh, So there you go. Dan Quinn getting another look. I guess you could possibly cancel that interview if you got a press conference with Ben Johnson that you're having. But uh, that's Ian Rappaport. So remember, the, all of the folks came out and said, he's going to be a finalist. They're really serious about him. They really like Dan Quinn over there. Well, second
2: in-person interview. They might turn this car right around, dude. They might turn it right around and not go on the vacation. They're threatening to do the Dan Quinn thing, and they might just do it. I don't know. C- explain your reference to me. In other words, they're like, we're tar- dude, we're so serious about Dan Quinn. We're really serious. We'll really do it. Okay, no, you're not going to do it. We're really going to do it. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. And then they do it. They turn the car right around.
0: I will save all of my reactions until they hire someone that isn't Ben Johnson, because I don't think that's going to happen. I think Ben Johnson will be the head coach here.
2: Ben Johnson alert. We need a Dan Quinn alert. <laughs> we need a Dan Quinn alert where it's like a sound of like great crying. We won't be, yeah, that's funny. It's like
0: a sniffle. We won't have to play it on this show, because I don't bring him up very much. You won't probably hear the Dan Quinn alert.
2: Well, we have to bring it up a lot, because he's he's got, what, 11 interviews with Josh Harrison Company?
0: They really like talking to Dan Quinn.
2: Uh, I just, we have a couple more things that we forgot to ask. Can you come by again, and we'll have steak. How
0: many delicious meals are they having during this surf?
2: Dan Quinn's eating well right now, by the way. He's in every city
0: <laughs> He's tasting their best. Steak, they're like, what do you want to do tonight, Danny? He's like, no, I've done steakhouses three straight nights. Let's go Italian. Just flying around the country eating in nice restaurants. Grant and Danny on the fan. Ted Leontis, speaking of the Wizards, is the owner of the Wiz and the Caps. He put out a letter to fans today about the proposed move of those teams to Virginia. Let's get into that next right here on the fan.
2: We are on Twitter, at Grant H. Paulson for
0: me, at Funny Danny for DR. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to the show, which is brought to you by our friends, the law firm of Kandori and Murad. will help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy. With one of their Fairfax-based attorneys, visit kmlawyers.com. Mention us to get a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. Ted Leonsis today issued a letter to fans of the Wizards and the Capitals several weeks since the big announcement when we found out the teams could be moving to Virginia. Uh, He wrote a letter today with thoughts on a prospective move, answering a lot of the questions that he says that he is getting from fans, uh, and delving into a lot of the FAQs, basically, of a prospective move.
2: Sure. The... You can think of what the complaints have been, right? There are there are some legitimate reasons for to dislike this, to not feel as good about this, et cetera. If you're if you're a fan of the team, you can you can have complaints. The ones I don't have any sympathy for boil down to I don't feel like going to Virginia because I never have. I don't really have sympathy for that. I know a lot of the Maryland fans. We were kind of surprised at that. Uh, a lot of folks in D.C. have sort of expressed that. Again, I don't have a ton of sympathy there.
0: I, I do have sympathy for it, totally. It's If you're a season ticket holder in Gaithersburg and it's now going to be a lot harder to get to games and either you're not going to be a season ticket holder anymore or it's going to ruin your experience, I totally have sympathy so, for that. So let me rephrase. So I, it's not a reason that he shouldn't move to Virginia where they're going to have more space and a better facility. He's getting more money from the Commonwealth than he will from D.C. And literally everything about the arena and and the, what the teams and fans get out of the The experience of having a home
2: improves. So let me rephrase: there, there are places like Silver. You touched on one: Gaithersburg, Silver Spring, Potomac. Not Potomac. Um, uh, Tacoma, Hyattsville, College Park, where this is more difficult. It is. It's the opposite side of the city now. Geographically, it's not that far, but the beltway, it's not kind, and public transport's not that easy. This is worse for you. It is a trade off. But I don't have I don't have sympathy for people that are just literally throwing a tantrum, going, "I'm not going to Virginia for whatever reason," right? Um, but he, outside of that, which you can't really address, you can't fix that. Yeah, the person who claims, and we heard from a lot of them when we
0: talked about this every day for a better part of a week, that Virginia is not part of the DMV, as an example, because there's a lot of people out there that go, "Oh, I'll never go to Virginia. Virginia doesn't count as the DMV." Yeah, I don't. That's a, a non-starter to a conversation for me.
2: At that point, mm-hmm. that's more what I was referring to. I didn't say it very well. But the the other complaints, though, that you would kind of go through. And he's trying to address those, and I think actually does a pretty darn good job here. And I, I know you're—if you don't like this, you're going to read it and roll your eyes and get ticked off. If you, you know, take your emotions out of it and try to call balls and strikes, you kind of go, these are these are pretty compelling reasons. Whether you like it or not, you could see a case. By the way, I guess we've
0: just—it's been a few weeks since we were talking about this, but now I do remember how divisive and angry it was, and mm-hmm. how mean people were on social media just because we were talking about it. But I, I tweeted out the link to what he said with a couple of interesting things I found in it, including him saying that of people that go to games, 44% of Caps and Wizards game attendees are from Virginia, 41% are Maryland, 15% are DC. I said, there's some interesting nuggets in here. Check it out. People are livid. Mm-hmm. Now, the Virginia people who like this are, are not going to waste time, probably tweeting to say, this is awesome. Yeah. I still
2: am in favor of
0: it. Yeah. The people that are going to comment normally are are generally against things, but I mean, it's just pretty clear that for a lot of folks, DC and Maryland, the anger has not subsided in the week since the announcement.
2: So I'll go, I'll run through real quick here. Uh, He kind of leaves out really, I'd say four or maybe even five kind of major points here. Number one, Provide a better experience for all the fans. I know this is the lip service thing, and this is you know what you would tell the fans, but this is a new stadium. So we all want a new stadium, for, for lack of a better uh, way to express this, right? If not new at Capital One Arena, massive upgrades, where uh, everything from Wi-Fi to 5G and he to— He talks about food and beverage, yeah, all improved that stuff. lines
0: of sight from all seats, in-game entertainment, hospitality spaces, next-generation tech, Better sounds and systems for uh, your you know, tech that you're using at the stadium. Easy access to Wi-Fi and 5G at the highest clarity video boards. Everything is better. It's yeah.
2: new. It's state of the art. It's going to be better. So a better stadium. Now, the, again, skeptics would say you could b- rebuild a better stadium at Capone Arena. Fine that he's just addressing that first complaint. Step number two. This is the one that I care about that I haven't heard a great counter explanation. People just sort of wave their hands and say this doesn't matter. This matters a lot to me. His title is Establish a Best-in-Class Set of Facilities for Our Athletes and Employees. Right now, it's not. We're competing. This is a competition business. We're trying to have the best possible professional athletes play at the highest possible levels of professional sport. This is not your YMCA uh, down the street, which runs out of hot water sometimes. These are professional athletes. I want training facilities. State-of-the-art this, that. Nutrition this, that. The uh, Everything from how to rehab your ankle and get back quicker to be in the best possible shape to... Everything you can imagine under the sun, they don't have that now. They have a weird thing that that uh, the stupid football team has had forever where where they practice and where they play are really far apart from each other, take our pains in the butt to get there, and it's like, where are we going today? Are we going to practice? Uh, no, you actually have to ride the stationary bikes. You have to go to Cap One Arena. Well, I need to do the underwater therapy for my knee, which was bruised. Okay, you have to go to St. Elizabeth's. Enough of that crap. Best possible facilities to compete against the other teams that are competing with you. I care about that a lot. It seems like nobody else does. I think some people do,
0: but not more than they care about what directly affects them. That does not affect the average consumer. True. Your a good point. point is that makes it easier maybe to build a winning team. That yeah. I, might I, I like them to win. Help in recruiting players, and I don't disagree with that at all. I've always thought since you brought that point up originally, it was a good point. You know, when, when I think Wilbon shot it down, maybe, or we've talked to people that were like, Yeah, everyone who doesn't ah. like
2: it shoots it down, goes, ah, it doesn't matter. Ah.
0: Matters. having good facilities helps. Mm -hmm. You know, this just in. Having the best facilities in the sport probably helps. But if I am Grant in Gaithersburg and you're talking about getting those great facilities but now my experience being ruined to do it or my hike, meaning instead of going to 20 Caps games, I might only go to four or five on the weekends, it's not my number one priority. That makes sense, right? Totally. But... It should be a big factor. I liked where he basically had a little chapter in here about one DMV. This idea that, in his mind, he's like the he uses the term super city a lot, which it used to be DC and Baltimore. I think was a super city. I think that's over now. But he says DMV is a super city. Now he might be a guy that tells you like Baltimore, Maryland is part of the DMV, which I'm out on. That's a different media. So market, it's Hanover, PA, different teams. But for for his purposes, mm-hmm. there is no NBA team, there is no NHL team in Baltimore. So he, he claims Baltimore, I'm quite sure, in terms of his fan bases. In fact, he says the media markets go from Richmond to Delaware. He says we've got 9 million residents in Maryland. Uh, sorry, 9 million residents in Virginia, 6 million in Maryland, 700,000 in D.C. Those are the people we are servicing. The global companies that define our region, and he runs through them. You know, in Virginia, they've got, among others, Capital One in Tysons, Hilton and McLean. In Maryland, they're in Bethesda, Lockheed Martin, uh, T. Rowe, Price, Baltimore, they're all over the place, right? Danaher, which is uh, Mitch, Mitch Rails's rails company, which I didn't even know was doing business with them. Carlisle Group, you know, those are in the city in Washington, D.C. He mentions the numbers I referenced. 44% of the people that go into games, Virginia, 41% Maryland, uh, just 15% in D.C. in terms of residents. He says, additionally, 20% of our employees live in D.C., 40% are in Maryland, 31% are in Virginia. I disagree that the claims... That this project would move the teams in a way that will reduce excel, uh, accessibility for fans. He talks about the district being four miles away from where it is now, where they're setting up. He talks about uh, 2.6 miles from the DC border, you know, a mile from Reagan National Airport, one of the most accessible in the country. You know, he goes through all those specifics, but I, I like the idea. It sounds like that he actually thinks. The V in DMV does mean something.
2: That it should count, yeah. Uh, one of the other complaints, the, and these are twofold, the the generic complaint that I still have, by the way, in general, uh, of saying I don't love the idea of taxpayers on one end or the other footing the bill for a billionaire in stadiums. And he goes in and says this is what we're going to contribute up front. There's no new cost to the taxpayer, even though, again, that's a bit of a shell game, but I, I digress. But he does address that complaint. Then he goes on. To talk about, and this is kind of the big elephant in the room, the abandoning—this is what a lot of people are complaining about—abandoning of that area around Capital One Arena. Now, then abandoning Ward's uh, seven and eight, where they, you know, where their practice facility was, and how this whole process happened. They try to put lipstick on this thing, but it's it's hard to reconcile that, but he does say we still want to be part of the future and the revitalization down there, and we, you know, the, the, the Mystics will do it, our gaming team's going to do it, and this, that, and the other thing, which I think rings hollow to some people, but at least he's trying to address it.
0: I just think that this, while it lays everything out well and he explains his side of it, this is what it is. It's 10,000 words or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's him writing, here's why I want to do this. And if you like the idea that they're moving to Virginia, you'll read this and you'll go, oh, okay, oh, all right, yeah, oh, that'll be cool, oh, that sounds fun. And if you're mad that they're doing it, you will hate-read this. Mm -hmm. You're seething. And I'm seeing a little bit of both, and frankly, a lot of both on on both sides of this. No one's going to change their mind, right? If you're reading this thing, and you're livid they're going to Virginia, and at the end he says, hey, if you want a yard sign to display in support of your home or business to bring us to Virginia, you're not going to want to see that. I mean, you're going to be angry about that. I understand that people, this is a really divisive thing. And people are in their feelings, and I totally get it. But my take weeks ago, months ago, whenever that was, and my take now is, this is a business person. The deal in Virginia is way, way better than the deal in D.C. And everything about my experience as a fan, I'm not talking about getting to the arena, because I'm one of the people with my hand in the air. I don't think this is going to work from a traffic standpoint. I don't really get it. I'm not sure that it's going to be easier for me driving from my house to get there than it would be to D.C., and I'm in Virginia already, but I digress. They got some things to figure out in that regard. Maybe I'll be metroing for the first time in years and years. I'm not really sure, but I want a great stadium to go to, in this case, an arena. I want all the best technology, all the best boards, all the best stat screens. I want to be able to bet on them, you know, a little clicker at my seat. I I want everything, all the bells and whistles that no one else has yet. And I'm going to have that here. I want to be able to go out and eat and be at cool places right before the game. A lot of those things are drying up around Capital One Arena. It's getting harder and harder right now to just walk around the neighborhood and do things before games in a manner that uh, is fun right there. It doesn't mean there's nothing there, but it's a lot closer to nothing than it was five, seven years ago. Where are we trending in that regard?
2: So you mentioned the business part of it, and the trump card to me is the one picture, and I tweeted this out out funny. Danny Grants, like Grant H. Paulson. This picture, this graphic, to me, summarizes anything else. Where you can get as mad as you want, nobody can really compete with this. He put a vertical overlay of the land, the footprint of Capital One Arena and where it stands and where it is. Then, he said, basically, look at this outline of what we're getting and what we're about to have.
0: Yeah, you have Capital One Arena, which would be like a small circle in the middle of a much yeah. bigger picture. It's like a postage stamp on an envelope is but, what it looks but like. this is my point all along. This mm-hmm. is what teams are doing. Yeah. It's a real estate deal. You're going from 3.8 acres to 12 acres, and you'll be able to control and put your finger into all of the things that go in around that. You just, no matter what happens in D.C., you don't have that. Roger is in Leonardtown. What's up, Roger? How are you? I'm doing well, gentlemen.
2: How about you guys today? Good, buddy. Doing great. Thank you. Hey, I just wanted
1: to reiterate uh, Danny's point, and that's the only point that I was thinking during this whole conversation is
2: let's give a facility to these guys to put a better on-ice, on-court product because I I live in Southern Maryland. I drive forever to go to anything, and uh, I just want to spend my money on a decent product, and I don't do that currently because there's really not a great product. I want to go to a Wizards game, but to do what? Waste my money on a bad product? Um, if if a good facility is going to make them better, let's do it. I'm all about it.
0: Well, some players are going to help. I mean, they're going to have to find a way to mm-hmm. to bring in some players. Probably this, the facility is not going to do it alone. Uh, but it, it can't hurt to be number one state-of-the-art in as many categories as possible. Uh, but I did tweet out the letter from Ted if you wanted to check it out at Grant H. Paulson. Double play next. We're blitzing at the top of the hour. That's when we're giving away two tickets to go see the Capitals here on the fan. Busy sports day already. In D.C. this morning, we found out Wes Unseld Jr. was out as the head coach of the Wizards. If you missed our conversation with David Aldridge at 3 o'clock, make sure you hear what he had to say when we are done this evening at thefandc.com when we get the podcast posted for you. In the NFL, the Carolina Panthers are hiring Tampa Bay Bucks offensive coordinator Dave Canales as their head coach. Yesterday, it was Jim Harbaugh's turn to put pen to paper with the Chargers. So that's five openings closed and just three teams still looking for a head coach, the Falcons, Seahawks, and the Commanders. We found out within the last hour that Ian Rappaport of NFL Network suggests Washington is expected to sit down with Dan Quinn early next week for his second in-person interview. That would be interview number three. He's the first person we've heard. That they plan on meeting a third time. So much
2: FaceTime with Dan Quinn.
0: Theoretically, they've only talked to Ben Johnson once, I guess. Right? So they will be talking to Dan Quinn a third time.
2: I guess the in-person with Ben Johnson would be Monday-ish. but Coming Dan up Quinn, or at some point, yeah. Dan Quinn's early next week. so like if Quinn
0: is on Monday or Tuesday and they haven't gotten to Ben Johnson, you know, he's uh-huh. after, then they'll have talked to Quinn three times before they talk to Ben Johnson twice. It is time for our double play. What's going on in our lives Nothing to do with sports. Should remind people we're giving away Caps tickets in 11 minutes
2: at 4. So I didn't go see this in the theater because I haven't really been to theaters uh, all that often outside of seeing movies that my kids want to see. Dumb Money. I watched it on Netflix late last evening. I'm excited to watch that. It's really good. It's really good. Now, for those that may or may not remember, it wasn't that long ago historically uh, and at the risk of of maybe alienating some people, uh, this was about basically the GameStop meme stonks saga. The long and short is... A group of Wall Street uh, hedge fund folks do a pretty normal routine mechanism, which is sh- to short a stock. It's where I borrow a stock from Grant. I then sell the stock at, let's call it 100. Then I believe the value of that stock is going to go down. I then have to buy that stock back in the equal amounts and return it to my friend Grant to complete the short transaction. And the uh, profit is... The difference in the price that I bought it for, or or excuse me, the price that I sold it for, and then the price that I had to pay. It's kind of a reverse of how it normally works. Pretty routine, normal thing, but it can be very risky. What ended up happening is a group of, bound by Reddit, folks from around the country, banded together almost informally at first and then en masse, and basically were able to stick it for a short time until the rules kind of changed on them, but again, it's all part of the the film, uh, against this hedge fund that had basically never had to suffer consequences before. The the same folks that brought you the financial crisis, the same folks that brought you uh, junk bonds, savings and loan, uh, uh, anything you could think of, uh, dot-com boom, where folks ended up losing millions, and then they never had to pay the penalty for it. This was the one time that the regular Joe was able to kind of turn the tables. The cast is unbelievable. Paul Dano, Vincent D'Onofrio, Pete Davidson, America Ferrara, Nick Offerman, Seth Rogen, um, Sebastian Stan, uh, Sh- Shailene or Shailene? You always correct me, Woodley. Shailene Woodley. Shailene Woodley. I mean, anybody that you've ever seen in a film is in this thing. It's really well done. It's very much from the perspective, as you can imagine, of kind of the everyday person and them following this thing as it's all going on. And they make the hedge fund guys like so totally unlikable. So it's gonna fit. You'll you'll feel like you're getting a pound of flesh out of it. Heavy buy recommendation, though, GP. Uh, it is really, really entertaining. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 carbs.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to watch it. I had to go finish American Nightmare last night, which, by the way, what a great crime documentary on Netflix. you got to check it out. It's three eps. It's about one hour a piece. It's three hours long. It is riveting. It's incredible. It's one of the best true crime docs I've seen done on Netflix. It's so good, and it's over now and I have like 14 questions I need answered that they just it's not that they did a bad job tying anything up it's just they told you what happened in real life right and in real life now I need to know did anyone talk to this guy why did this happen I still have some questions but now that I'm done with that tonight I have the ability to watch a film I think the film that I watch might be dumb money it seems like that went to Netflix really quickly am I wrong no or or did I just the time passed because it was the football
2: season, and I wasn't paying. Attention. I think it's that. I don't know how well it did in theaters. I
0: feel like it was in the theaters like
2: two months ago for an hour and a half. Yeah, it, the reviews are just okay, but to me, the, reliving that entire thing because I was fascinated by it in real time yeah, I wonder, is exciting. Though,
0: you're nerdy and into stocks and stuff. Not, not. I'm not. Those are two separate thoughts. No, totally but fine. like, you followed that really closely, and every day we're in. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much your infatuation with that improved it, rather than like, if my wife sits down to watch it and doesn't care tonight. Does that in her experience? It is a
2: totally fair question, and I don't have a good answer to that. I know that I didn't. It's not like I was following the events of The Big Short in 2008 really, really well. Now that's a great movie. That's like Oscar caliber movie. Hell of a, but it's a fantastic film, and they do a great job of kind of stopping and explaining. That's Christian Bale's music. That that, again, that cast is outstanding too. Um, Was uh, I might be wrong? Was Gosling in that too? Yes, plays Jared Vetter. Yeah, in uh, such a good movie. He's awesome. He's because he's the perfect. He's not quite the hero. He also reminds you, like, I am I never said it was a hero. I'm kind of a villain. Yes, I made tens of millions of dollars off of all this stuff that I saw before everybody else. Steve Carell? Steve Carell's in it.
0: That is a cast.
2: The dude from uh, 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 the older, oldest brother, second oldest brother in Succession is Steve Carell's right-hand man.
0: He lost me at Succession.
2: Oh, okay. By the way, I can't believe you didn't watch that show. That's that's a very grand show. You would love it. Really? Oh, yeah. That's not the one where the guy
0: just walks around the hall for 11 minutes he made me watch that I hated? Maybe. Is that what it was? The guy, uh, no, he just like walks No, around. that's Severance. Severance. Severance.
2: Yeah, yeah, Danny's
0: like, watch Severance, man. I watch Severance. This guy, the opening episode, is an, it's the pilot, is a 90 minutes long. And the first 86 minutes, this guy's just walking hallways at the Pentagon. It wasn't the Pentagon, but I can only imagine it's mm-hmm. a building like the Pentagon. And I, I'm just, uh, 22 minutes in, I'm going, oh, my God, he's still walking in this hallway. 27 minutes in, he's still, and I just said, Nope, not anymore, Danny. I'm not giving you any more of my time. He was just walking in hallways for, for 87 minutes.
2: You're part of that 3% on Rotten Tomatoes, I guess. 97% positive.
0: You know what? They all must have fast-forwarded through all the hallways. Yep. I should have done that and got to like actual You got to, you got to what it was. And, but I, I gave it 45 minutes. I did. I said, he's still walking? You didn't. You, you, gave, it, you gave it six minutes because that's
2: how long okay. that opening scene is.
0: Well, he's walking in the hall for seven minutes. Mm-hmm. And I said, this guy sucks this show's terrible and i i frankly i'm mad at danny that that was like my takeaway that night i think totally fair so i'm in the 3% but i will watch that and we'll uh, we'll reconvene
2: i like it next
0: on gnd we are giving away caps tickets top of the hour plus we got a beltway blitz for you the capitals are in some trouble huh what an ugly road trip this has been we'll talk about them we'll break down the Whiz. they've got a coaching change they have made and the commanders as they look for a head coach as well All coming up on The Blitz.